What's up guys, we are back. This is episode two of At The Face. This week, I'm going to be facing off with England LSM and NTU head of lacrosse, Sam Patterson. Okay, Sam Patterson, how are you doing? Doing very well, mate. Glad to, uh, glad to be on. Good, 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 good. Um, you ready for this? Is this your first ever podcast? I've never done one before. Probably going to make a right pe- and uh, fool myself, but let's go for it. <laughs> You'll be fine. Say some controversial things that will uh, get me in trouble. <laughs> That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Um, how's lockdown for you? It's going a bit tough, to be honest. I live in an apartment, so uh, trying to, which been trying to get out. I Me and the missus have been trying to get out every day, go for some exercise or go for a walk or whatnot, but... Uh, yeah, just want to get it over now. It's you know, what is it like four weeks? We've been five weeks, we've been in it now. Five weeks, five yeah. weeks. We probably got another three I, to go. So, geez, I don't even know what day it is. It's yeah. ridiculous now. <laughs> so, have you been have you been working out solid and posting it on Instagram, or have you been playing PlayStation in your pants? A uh, bit, bit of both. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big uh, post um, workouts on Instagram. I don't really, uh, I just kind of cringe at that kind of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah no we've been trying to go out like at least three me and the miss have been going out three times a week for a run uh, trying to do a little workout at home but um i should have gone so we've got a gym at the university i should have grabbed some of the weights from there before we uh before we left so i could so i've only got like an eight kilogram kettlebell and it you know it's not doing me any any favors <laughs> So I looked for some uh, some gym stuff on Amazon and eBay the other day, and whoever's selling that stuff is making an oh. absolute mint in lock. It's ridiculous. It's like those people it's at the ridiculous. start of the pandemic with the toilet rolls. Just put, put like a bit of a premium on it. <laughs> and they said in 2020 we'd have flying cars. Oh, Jesus. Right. Um, first up, who is your favorite person who you play lacrosse with? Um, that's a difficult question. Uh I kind of grew up with like three or four of my best friends. We all played. Uh, I couldn't pick just one out of those ones, so I'll get I'll get in some heat from them. Um, but I grew up with uh, sort of all through like on, from eight eight years old when we started playing lacrosse, all the way through to now when we're pretty much retiring, uh, still playing them. So you know, I've got like the the Tom Williamsons, the Tom Gosneys, uh, the, the the Sam McGuigans of the world that I kind of I've always played with, uh, enjoyed playing with. Like the team, the team from Stockport from a couple of years ago as well. Like where we were pretty dominant. We're not the same anymore, but uh, you know, uh, like Benny, Matt, Baggy, and all those guys. Uh, enjoy being around those guys on a Saturday afternoon. Okay, so you started with a group of friends playing. Yeah. Oh, cool. That must have been nice. Well, yeah, we, we yeah we pretty much won every trophy in the game, and then we went play for England together. So it was uh you know to play with your best mates is uh, is what it's all about, really. So was it about the lacrosse to start with, or was it like uh, I'm going to go hang out with my mates and play this this sport? Well, I didn't know him until I knew Goose. Um, so oh, okay. my old man played lacrosse for Stockport and Cheadle and Norbury, uh, and then I, as all my friends were test, I started playing football and. If you ask any of my friends, I am the world word. I think you've watched me play football once, Joe. I'm absolutely terrible. I've got two, I've got two left feet. Um, so I started playing uh, started playing footy, rugby and uh, roller hockey as well. So I played a lot of roller hockey growing up. One of those guys. Uh, uh, and then Mr. Granger collared me at a very young age and got me coming down to the club. But I, used to, I always used to, obviously my little brother plays as well, so we always used to be in the back garden with lacrosse sticks and stuff. Um but yeah, no, just kind of grew up with those guys going down on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday mornings with Mr. Granger and Steve Libsey from Stockport Lacrosse Club and just 
you know, we kind of started there. With parents, Sam, I had you down. I had you down as like Mr. Lacrosse roller hockey. Yeah, I, where I did that come from? I reckon that's where my grandboard. I reckon that's where the grandboard <laughs> skills came from. Uh, okay, I used to, all right. We used to play like proper street hockey. Like um, we used to have like this like residential car park behind our house, and we used to like put cinder blocks to stop pe- the residents parking there. Then we'd uh, make our little <laughs> uh, ice hockey ice hockey uh, rink. And go uh, go play roller hockey. It was it was great. It's like little scallies playing lacrosse behind in uh, in Stockport. And then... Very mighty ducks of you. Yeah, it was really bad. Really bad. It was probably if you were like to watch from the outside, it would be a terrible hockey. But it was it was fun. And we used to all summer we used to do it. It was great. All right, cool. So, um, who is your biggest love to hate in the game? Player, club. Go for it. It's got to be Cheadle. Uh, they've they've had our, our number for a number of seasons now. Uh, you know, and uh, it's you know when we you know a couple of seasons ago when we were we were Stockport were dominant, it was kind of us on the on the uh, on the front foot and winning trophies and stuff like that. That you know they're a great club and we've always had a good rivalry between the two clubs. And um, my job right now, obviously, I'm kind of coming to the end of my lacrosse career, but I'm trying to come into the coaching side of my club is try and bring the future generation so we can compete with them because they've been dominant in Nemwa uh, for the last couple of years. Um, uh, yeah, it would it have to be Cheetah. <laughs> so is, this, is that a, an ongoing battle or is it kind of like the, the early thousands onwards? Has it always been there? Oh, no. If you look back at the history books, you know, from... You know, the nat- I don't. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not that old, but you know, I'm, I remember watching going watching my dad going watching. You know, the first, you know when we were kids, we would always go down and watch the first team after our, our game on a Saturday, and it would always be the, the Cheadle game would always be the, the big game that we'd go and watch, um, or the one that I know as a player, I still get excited for the Cheadle game, um, just because you always knew you were in for a battle, and you always knew it was going to be a, a big game. You know, they like I say, they've had our number for a couple of, a couple of seasons now. Um, we're trying to bring through a, a young generation at Stockport at the moment. Um, so hopefully we can start uh, competing with them again, but they've been pretty dominant for the last couple of years. So in the politest way possible, it, it, it brought out the best of uh, both teams. And the worst sometimes. And the worst. And well, the worst. More, more for Stockport with the worst. But <laughs> All right, cool. So this one is a tricky one. You're not allowed to just add more players, okay? If you could change one thing about the game right now, what would it be? Uh, play in the summer. <laughs> really? Play in the summer? That would be it? Yeah. If, well, it, well, we've got like these, I mean, we can talk about it later on in the podcast, but, you know, I'm I'm pretty, I'm one of those guys that thinks if we're going to, if our game's going to survive and our game's going to get better, we have to not play on a Saturday afternoon in the middle of winter on a muddy pitch with, with 14, 13, 14 guys running up and down. It's just not conducive to, you know, from my point of view with the, with the international game, you know, the international game is getting faster and faster. And let's be honest, the game ain't getting any faster in, in domestic lacrosse. So from a junior level, I would want to move the, I'd, I'd say juniors, let's move juniors to summer at least. So then we're not competing with rugby and uh, football, the two biggest team sports in the, okay. in the UK. Um, so we can get hopefully more numbers. We can get some kids that are rugby guys. We can get some kids that are football guys that are not playing football or rugby in the summer. I mean, a lot of sports now are becoming like year round sports, but you know, for me, if we could move the junior lacrosse to the summer, that would be that would be the big one. Obviously, I will talk about indoor lacrosse a little bit and later down the line. But that's another one for me is, is a huge thing. If we can, you know, if we can bring a bit of both indoor and outdoor into our game, then we'll see that we'll, 
we'll see some huge improvements, uh, both domestically and internationally. So with that, um, you just touched on the junior game. I coach juniors. Um, and to be honest, the biggest problem is trying to fit in me as a senior player playing and doing a bit of coaching and whatever I do at the club um, and sorting out a junior program as well. And like you said, if you eradicate rugby, football, they're, they're not having to decide the level that they're playing at till they're 16, 17. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. What do you think is stopping, other than old people, what do you think is stopping the game moving to the summer? Like, like well, yeah, it's tradition. Like, I think that's a big one. You know, we, we go to these committee meetings. I've, I mean, I don't tend to go to them anymore, but when I was a few years ago, I used to go to a few and, you know, be at the same old people with the, like, the sort of lacrosse should be played at two o'clock on, on a Saturday afternoon every week type people. Um, you've got those kind of people, but you also got to take into consideration a lot of these clubs have facilities that they have to what they're going to do with them in the winter you, you, you know so the cricket clubs that are they're usually partnered with the cricket club so the cricket the fields are cricket outfields and you know they can't um they can't use those facilities so we've either got to bite the bullet and just from my in my personal opinion bite the bullet and just trying to look look for new facilities or or move and try and try and change things but, i mean i wouldn't say like it has to be in the the, the middle of summer it could be like a spring summer sport you know, you could start in like March and uh, and go through to before the summer holidays. Um, you know, and you can have your two, three months off in, in the summers for, you know, parents of you know, going on holidays and, and whatnot and then do your indoor lacrosse in the in the in the autumn winter. Um so you play you, you you're getting probably the same amount of months playing lacrosse, but you know. It's been um, there's the age old argument: cricket pitch, cricket pitch, cricket pitch. I'd actually be really interested to see how many teams play on a cricket pitch that doesn't have, uh, you know, another option um, beside it, behind it, whatever. I'd love to know how many clubs it is actually a problem for right now without even doing anything. And then you know what I mean, like go from there. Is it a possible option? I know in them, um, like you know, you, there are a fair few are a fair few clubs that play on cricket outfields, but like you say, they've got potentially a pitch like it might be a council football pitch or something like that that's not that bad to play on I me mean, it'd, it'd be a bit rough in the in the winter in the summer as well but um you know that's close enough to their clubhouse or whatever it may be but um you know i know we're here at stockport you've also got to think like you know you, you've not got a finite window with light as well so like you can play a game at one you can play a game at three you can play a game at five uh, and there's still light you know still still enough light to play those games so you can get these three you don't have to have like two this is my I mean I've given it a lot of thought but like I'm not giving it a, a lot of thought if you know what I mean in regard to those clubs that are in that not in that the same situation as our club um, where we have our own sort of dedicated lacrosse pitch but no for sure like just the speed of the game we need to improve the speed of the game we need to improve the skill set of the players that we have in, in this country and the only way you do that from my, in my personal opinion is make the game quicker and play it in the best possible conditions best possible you know have 16 man squads where you can have two strings of middies and you can have your specialist face-off guy. You can have your LSM. You know, you you, you, you hopefully speeding the game, which is what we lack at international. Is we play the game at a bit of a slow pace. So, do you feel that we, as a sport, um, it's a real tough question without you know being harsh on people. Do you feel like we're proactive as a sport in changing and moving forward, or do you feel like people really do drag their heels? We're creating new ideas and, and you know agreeing to do new things. Not really. I mean, look, you got also got to see it from the other side of the coin, right? So, you know, a lot of people trying to keep the game going. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of team sports are struggling 
with numbers now, like these gen, like you know, I don't want to talk about what's going on with future generations, but is sport really up there on what they want to do? And you know, from my point of view, there are some awesome people, volunteers in the game that that put in selfless hours for free to keep the game going, and you've got to see it from their side of things. So we can have these, you know, great ideas, but are they realistic? You know, are are they are they realistic financially for these clubs to do? And will, will we see a you know a shrinking of the game uh, short term if we were to do it? Some clubs might fold or might not have facilities, or players just don't want to play in the summer. Um, but from my, my personal point of view, I, I would hope that we'd get more players playing in the summer. You know, imagine having a barbie on the side of a lacrosse pitch at the end of the game rather than sitting inside you in a, in a warm clubhouse or wherever it is, and everyone, everyone, everyone's shivering on the sideline watching a, a game of lacrosse. At, with the, especially in Manchester, where you pretty much guaranteed rain at least <laughs> half the season. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so this I wouldn't be um, talking to a, a northern lacrosse player if I didn't ask this question. Um, where do you see the game in the south comparing to the game in the north as of today? Um, well, you look at you look look at it with Hampstead winning the the championship last year. So you know there are like you, you got your Spencers and your Hampsteads down south that are. Um, you know, really competitive. You know, I think I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I think some of the northern teams have taken a bit of a step backwards in recent years, and um, you can kind of see that a little bit with the junior lacrosse. There's a lot of merged teams now at junior level. And I think that was always the the thing down south was there was, there was not that much junior lacrosse, um, and I still think there needs to be more junior lacrosse down south. But you've obviously got the university game playing a huge impact down south in, in terms of numbers and. You got obviously huge. Well, we had that huge growth spurt um, a couple like well, it was quite like ten years ago or something like that, where we saw loads of new clubs springing. You were part yeah. of that, Joey. <laughs> Roundabout round when um, the university game got big, ironically. Mm. You saw that gro- huge growth spurt down south with um, with uh, with clubs and new clubs and around Manchester. There's, you know, there's a, there's a few 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 new clubs, and obviously they've joined that Midlands League now with the Stokes. The the Lincolns, the Loughboroughs. Um, but there's not been a huge growth of new clubs up north. If anything, there's some clubs that have been folding. Um, but obviously, the, the, the key thing for us in terms of standard of player is, you know, kids are picking up a cross stick up at eight, six to eight years old. Now, like we have that under eights league, sorry, under tens league, um, which has been huge in the north, like having just getting a stick in the kids' hands at a younger age, playing a small format game. Um, you know, we'll see dividend. You, I, when I go to academy now and look at some of the kids that are coming through up north, you're like, phenomenal. We've got some really talented young kids coming through. I think that's the thing that obviously uh, is lacking from down south. But the, the senior game, you know, you look at the top two teams in, in, in Semler, they can they'd easily be competitive in them, especially the last couple of seasons for sure. Um, you know, it's definitely Spencer, Spencer, and, uh, Spencer and Hampstead have got some good players. So you said about um, club growth in the, in the south. It's it's interesting. Yeah, we have had um, a vast spread of clubs across the south popping up um, here, there, and everywhere. But it's I don't think that's the best way of monitoring how healthy the sport would be. Um, it is a way we could do it. I know you're saying like, oh, nothing, not much has happened um, in the north with new clubs popping up. It also becomes a bit of a problem when said new club has to travel so far. Um, for stuff to you know to play lacrosse and to engage Um, and I'm finding that particularly with juniors I've got parents who are like you know they play football they swim they do absolutely everything 
And when I say to them, oh, we've, we've lined up a game, they're like, great, because, you know, we were wondering if you guys even did play. And I say to them, it's, in Spen- it's playing Spencer. And they're like, where's that? I'm like, Central London. They, they, it's then that it clicks that we're the only team in Kent. Like, we're the only junior team in Kent. Now, you know, another way of looking at it could be, well, should we not just be taking an area like London and being like, right, this is where the junior program works. This is where we want new teams and kind of grow outwards a bit like Manchester. Um, so I know what you're saying with regards to it is good to see that growth, but I think it's real important to make sure that growth is sustainable uh, and does continue. I, I definitely agree. I mean, we said we said that we've had a chat with Bias before, Joe, haven't we? So in terms of like, you need to create those hubs. So like, if you were to do it, like, like you, I'm 100 on board. Like, no parents gonna go what travel two hours to go go play the game of lacrosse. Like, it's a four hour round trip. Like, it's not happening. So I think that's probably why you know Manchester and, and and Stockport have been able to sustain themselves because the furthest we go is kind of like either Sheffield or Rochdale uh, maybe Liverpool now with with they with their junior program so you, you're looking tops an hour like in a worst case scenario but for the most part like they're traveling some in some regards like I, I've got a club Mellor's 10 minutes away from my house you know Cheadle's five minutes away Cheadle's like Mersey's five minutes five ten minutes away you, you know, you've got re- you, you you have that sort of that sort of um, you know condensing of of, cl- of clubs in one area. You know, you're gonna you are living the dream, my friend. Yeah, that is but, the absolute dream. But why can't we do that? Why can't we do that somewhere down south? Like, just pick a, you know, just start like like a bunch of junior clubs around around a certain, a certain, like London. So it's South London. Would it? Where Spencer in in, in London's at? Like, uh yeah south central and south i guess my so what, what <laughs> i'll do club, it by, by the what, tube what clubs are around that around that sort of right, around them you'd, you'd probably just take london as an area so camden have just started a team uh, a club they've now got three three teams in two years uh london raptors hillcroft there's teams like uh blues they're not that far um but the junior element at the minute we got portsmouth uh maidstone which i run um spencer something happening in welling i believe they're so far everything just, is just so far just blue still have a junior program i don't think they do i think they had some some kind of players that have developed and, and played in their seniors and that's it everyone's trying to do the right thing but coordinating it is so so hard to do well, i think that's um, the, the, the thing obviously with the ldo program um sort of going away as well like you know you know it's um you look at the like the demographic of local lacrosse player in the south as well. It's like like young professional type type age group. It's not like parent parent. Like, I don't know. Like but that this is what I, I see from the outside. So you've not got like the like our recruitment now at Stockport is pretty much parents of pa- of parents if you know what I mean. So it's like young Jimmy's bringing down three of his mates um, because he, uh, they're friends with a parent who's all, whose kids are already playing. So that's we're seeing that as a as more of a recruitment. We don't have guys, and we used to have an LDO. We used to go out into schools, and we 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 get players that way. We've had to do 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 it a different way, and 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 you can see it in the north as well. Like so many clubs now, junior programs are joined together, or maybe something. I think even, maybe even three clubs in some regards are joined together. So it's not it's not it's not that's great at the smart. moment. It's thinking smart to keep to keep because like your under 14s might have, might have like six guys. You got, but we got to go and join with another, another club. And you're trying to obviously, you just got to hope that when they go to 16s, that you know you can bring in some more guys or whatever it may be. It's just, yeah, like there are challenges in junior across across the country at the moment. Obviously, recruitment's a big one. Like, like I said to you before, we're competing with football and rugby that have got 
so much money and so and su such a big slice of the slice of the pie in regard to getting to, getting into schools. They've got their they've got their sort of local development officers and whatnot that are going out into those schools. So um, it's difficult, man. I was going to ask you where you started playing lacrosse, but you covered it. So, uh, are you have you always played for Stockport? Yes, and I yeah. You, you've never I'm, deviated. You've never gone and played junior, senior, always Stockport. You bleed I don't think blue. I have. I think maybe once I played for like like Mellor in a Metro's game or something like that. But I think that's the only other time I played for a for another. We we, we we yeah. That's the only other time I played for another another club. But um, okay. no, I've one club man. Like I'll never move. <laughs> Good to hear it. Uh, okay, so what do you remember youth lacrosse being like up north? You said you, you joined with your friends and so on and so forth. Let's let's actually talk about the lacrosse side of it now. We spoke about the junior games um, politically. What was it like being a, a, a young player playing up north? For me, like, well, we we were quite. I think I was quite lucky when we when we grew up. Like, we had a really sort of competitive, like, from under twelve through to under nineteens, like. Um, we had some really competitive years, and I was quite I was quite fortunate. Like we were on a pretty successful Stockport team. I think we won every trophy from 12s through to 19s. Um, wow. I, you know, I, I just remember obviously we were quite again we had a little bit of a luxury at Stockport that sort of every age group had. And one of our coaches was had either played for England or coached at England level. So um, you know we, we were very we we're very lucky in that regard. Um, so we always had that. Yeah, I just remember. I don't know. I just remember it just being really competitive and really fun. Like especially on the nineteens, like Sunday, under Sunday lights, like you know, we, against Timpley, Wax were the big teams back then. Um, you know, when we were coming through, like we were just so competitive and like we just looked forward to like just look forward to Sunday nights. Like for me, like Saturdays was was mega because like my dad used to just drop me off at the club. We'd play a game, Mister Go away in Mister Granger's van, come back, and then stay down at the club all day, play pool, just. Just hang around your mate, shooting the goal, watch the first team. Um, you know, I just remember, like, yeah, it's just like really, really fun. Like, just remember, it's put just like really fun memories of junior lacrosse. Really, we always had Very a stick cool. in our hands. That's all I remember. <laughs> I mean, that helps, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. start. Okay, so you obviously had you had quite a long um, international career with England. What what age do you feel like um, it went from? playing pool at the club and always having a stick in my hand and shooting to actually being like oh okay I'm, I'm on the England radar like what was it something that you thought or was it something that someone said oh Mr Patterson come over here and you know give um, give this a go I think it's again it's just like as, as mates we we went for the trials for the 2003 under 19s team um, and I was I think like I wasn't the young one of the youngest in the team but I was, I was probably one of the youngest guys in that team Goose I think Goose was the youngest guy in the team um yeah i just remember uh yeah we just yeah it was i was just it's a really competitive team i can remember some awesome players in that that 2003 team i don't remember if we did like i think we did like we did like something up in scotland once like with uh we played played in a tournament up in scotland was like an academy it's like when the academy was like first sort of being sort of thought about i remember doing something with that it was like an under 18s or something like that it was we went up to scotland and played uh like yeah, I think it was like Scotland and 19 and Scotland or something like that, but uh, Peffermill at Edinburgh University. And then, yeah, just get involved within the 19s, really. And um, like the best, probably the best thing that ever happened to me in my lacrosse career was not making the squad because um, uh, it kind of put the racket on my backside that I need to work at my game a little bit and work on me as, an, as a person a little bit. Um, and it also humbles you a little bit and makes you sort of a little bit hungry. So, 
yeah, the best thing so you don't, you don't feel like you've been, sorry, you don't feel like at that stage, obviously we're going back some years now, you don't feel like that you were recruited per se. You feel like you just played the game, you got on with it and you got to a standard where you could attend the trials. And that's when they started looking at you. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's the, the that outside. The thing is like, it's a bit clicky isn't it? it's like, you've got, your name's got to fit to get in it. For, my, for me, it definitely wasn't that way. Um, I remember Mr. Granger was obviously Mr. Granger was a huge uh, influence on my on my cross well, cross career and all the guys at Stockport and guys that played for Stockport Metros as well. I can remember under uh, he used to when he was bless him he was in the bar and he was you know he was uh, in his sort of later years he used to come up to me and say if you had said to me under 12s that you'd have made an England team I, I, I would have eaten my hat or something on those lines. He was like <laughs> you were the, you were the last person. My, my nickname at, uh, at Baggy used to give us uh, Baggy and Flaps used to give me a, uh, a nickname pushing the back Patterson because I was pretty much guaranteed at some point just to run through the back of someone and, uh, and, and be sitting on the penalty bench with them at under fourteen. So I, from my point of view, I was probably nowhere near it as like a, a young kid. I I probably developed a little bit later than, than most, and that's why you know when you look at kids now and. I hate when you I want to hear coaches write kids off like no let's give them give them some time like that you know they might have a growth spurt they might you know they, you know they might find something a little later on in their lacrosse career just persevere with them I think coach sometimes in coaching they're too too easy to write a kid off at a younger age and not see or maybe they're playing the wrong position that's something I always say down at academy is like a six foot something kid that's you know you know that's an absolute athlete let's put a long stick in his hand and see what he can do rather than being a midi or something like that like yeah I think I was given I was given time to to develop, and I think after two thousand and three, I got dropped, and I was sort of a, a reserve. But I never travelled. I decided not to go. Uh, I don't know why I did that. I was pretty stupid on my part. I, was, I really regret it now, not going as a reserve. Are you were uh, chucking the toys out the pram by any chance, Sam? I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember what it was. I mean, my old ma- my old man was um, so the people that know my old man, he was like the stats guy, and he was like bless him. I probably ruined his opportunity to go as well because he. He was going to come with, and then I decided I didn't want to go. Um, I ended up going to America instead. I went to go on a Metro's tour instead, coaching or something like that. I think I did. Um, well, it might have been the year after. But um, yeah, I remember Baggy taking me to the year after with Goose. Uh, we went we went to Towson the year after, and we went back to that field. And I was like, I was just like, it pissed pissed me off, and just I, I wanted to make the England team. And then I, I remember going to trials, and uh, coach went and sort of seeing something in me and just, uh, yeah, just having having a bit of time in me and putting time into me and developing me, that side of things. I, I remember um, Jane Powell, when she, she joined um, England lacrosse team, um, like I had no involvement in male talent at all, but I remember one of the very first things um, that she said for men's and women's um, academies, pathways, that kind of thing, she made it very clear to every, it wasn't even just the coaches, it was like every member of staff, she was like, you do not cut people from this process. They aren't quite fit at the minute. They are, it's a revolving door is how she described it. They are so welcome to come back in three months, six months, a year and have another go. And that's what we should be encouraging. Um, which kind of goes back to what you just said there. Like you said, people have growth spurts. Um, people change as they get older. You can't write kids off at such a young age. You've also got to give them stuff to work on as well. So it comes with like, you know, we do it with like Trent, like personal improvement plans, like at the start of the year, you know, we, after a couple of weeks of seeing them, maybe in a couple of games, we'll sit down with them and, and discuss what, what they need to work on and what, what you know, 
that's what you that yeah that's what the kids get obviously should get they do get at academy and, you know they'll, they'll be told what they need to go away and work on and come back and it should always be like you say a revolving door you should never be the, never be like oh yeah he wasn't good enough let's let's give him another let's give him another chance see what, see what they're about i remember um a couple of the the junior academies I was trying to explain to a kid that his lefty's not quite where it would be thinking he'd be like you know oh yeah okay i'll go away and work on my lefty he was just like arguing with me. He's like, uh, I think my left's actually really good. I was like, okay, right. That was like the only point I've picked you up on. You disagree with me. I was like, all right, lead the horse well, then, to water. Well, then there are some kids that can't be helped uh, on that regard if they've got that sort of, uh, you're looking for good people as well, right? So yeah, you want people absolutely. that are humble and are willing to take a criticism on board and, and work on their, their, their weak parts of their game. Absolutely. Okay, so you... Um, You've had a really long England international career. Now, I don't know the dates. I'm hoping you can help me out with that. When did you start? When have you, 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 you said you're wrapping up field now. When did it finish? Um, tell us a little bit about your international uh, career. Uh, started in 2006 uh, in, in the World Games in uh, London, Ontario. Um, pretty, I mean, I was, I, was, I was very lucky to make that squad, if I'm honest. I was... Probably, I mean, again, Goose was always the youngest lad on the team uh, whenever I was playing with, with my mate there. But uh, you so know, how old were you at, at that? At 2006? I think it was 19, 19 maybe. I think it was okay, maybe twenty. Uh, just turned twenty. Yeah. So yeah, very green. Um, but I think probably you know when you're at that age, you don't really res- like yeah, you're in awe of that situation. But you also you've got like you're not overthinking it. You're just going out there and playing. Um, but yeah, 2000, 2006 was the first. Sort of, um, I mean, I had the opportunity to with, with, with the 2004 Euro team, but um, I, yeah, I took, I went again, I went to America and uh, coached for Metros, um, but then 2006 and then Euros after it, and then I just, I don't know why I just carried on, carried on. I, I enjoy, I, it's, it's not just like the playing for England side of things, it was also like the camaraderie of the team and being, being around the boys, and I, I just, I just love that aspect of it really. I just love the, Love, love being a part of something um, and working towards something. Um, yeah, just just really enjoyed the process. And, and I look, I'm a very lucky boy. I can't say can't say. I mean, I probably say I wasn't the best in the last World Games, but um, you know, I've had a I've had some good tournaments and I've had some bad tournaments. Every player has those, but um, I definitely enjoyed my career. 100. I'm very 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 lucky. And probably you know, there's probably not many guys that have played as many. Uh, tournaments as I have for England so you know I count myself very lucky in that regard okay cool so you've started uh 2006 um you described yourself as very green um you've played internationally for over a decade which is that's a really long time to be playing at you know that that uh, level of sport can you enlighten us a little bit what has been uh, the objective of the England squad over or how it's changed over the past 10 years? Because I've heard so many, so many different people, so many different opinions, you know, oh yeah, we've got to beat Australia. You know, we've got to take it to Japan. We're just trying to create a team that's, um, it's got as, as fewer American players in it as possible. What's going on in the locker room um, chat wise? Like when you start building up for a tournament, what's the objective um, set by the coaches? Well, they, our goal was always to make the bronze medal game. Personally, like with every team that I was involved with, um, like you have to be re- realistic. Like we, we should be going out there and going, let's let's take it to the Canadians and the US. But we also have to be realistic. And our, our sort of our goal was 
was the was that bronze medal game. And um, like it wasn't necessarily beating Australia, although throughout my England career, for me, like we always like made a massive deal out of Australia, uh, and it was kind of like a, it was more of a psychological thing than a than a actual our playing ability because I believe in at least two of the tournaments I played at a world championship level, we had a much better team than they did. Well, no, maybe not much, but we were better. We were better than they were. Like you look at the stats, you look at especially in 2010, you look at the stats, you look at uh, how we played in that game. Um, you know, we should have come away with with something different. And again, in the last World Championships as well, as a one-goal game. But um, it was definitely a bronze medal game. Get let's get there and let's see what happens. Um, you know, the bronze medal is what we want to win. But let's just get. I mean, we, no England team's been there. I don't mean since the seventies, maybe even since the eighties, when it was fourteen or something stupid like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I think it was like ninety-eight, wasn't it? When the last time. I mean, I might be wrong there. I mean, I was I was at ninety eight was as a as a supporter, but um, yeah, I can't I can't remember the last time we, we made a bronze medal game. It was it was that it was get back there and like like I say, from our point of view, it's we obviously we had different coaches throughout the time that wanted to play a different way. Um, so it's obviously you've just got to adapt it to the, to, to those coach the way that we want to play as well. So um, there was obviously some challenges there and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it was always that bronze medal get get into that bronze medal game. Do you see? There's obviously one. There's one um, bigger goal. Um, do you see that objective changing in the future? I'm not going to say near future, but do you see that changing? Do you think we can compete at that next level? It comes back for me uh, to some fundamental changes in our in the way, way that our games played. Really, I, think I just again it comes back to like this that the level of players and we just got to keep improving our academy we've got to keep improving our junior game we've got to keep we've got to improve our domestic game we've got to give our players so when they get to like 18 or 16 years old and they go and play senior lacrosse we need to give them something that's competitive to go and play in and something that they're going to improve improve playing every every, every saturday i don't personally think that that i mean that i'm probably a bit controversial in saying that i don't think that our domestic game really supports our international game but does it need to i don't know like some people play lacrosse for different reasons um i think in the sh- i think in the short term it should be bronze medal but i think long term we need to be look- we need to be looking higher and you know you look at the women's team obviously the women's team women's team now has got higher ambitions than the bronze they want to go and compete for that silver medal that they want to get into that gold medal match even we should be we should be doing that as well but obviously you know the men's game is like there's so many teams now that are coming into the into the fall. Your, your Israel's, your Japan's, your Puerto Rico in that last tournament that had like like I don't know how many guys that play professionally or are played top level college. Like you got those kind of teams springing up now that are it's an absolute you know landmine to go and play against a team like that in a, in a tournament because it can be an absolute you know you could be out of the tournament in the, in the group stages so uh, in the sorry the playoff stages so. You know, the world world games is, was that last world games was really difficult. What did we come from? I think we came from like in three games. We came from behind or something stupid like that. Was maybe two. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's 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 tougher. Like yeah, Scotland had a good tour, a good tour. Israel, Ireland had a good team. Um, yeah, so it's it's going to become more difficult. Let's be honest. I think we did very well to 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 do what we did in the in the, uh, in the world championships. Um, this time around to stay where we were to keep that position. I mean, it's got to build on it, right? We just got to, we got to, we got to get keep pushing forward, and we, I think there's got to be a culture change a little bit with our players in terms of 
um, they've got to think more about that performance or it's, and live that lifestyle a little bit more. Um, you know, we all know what lacrosse players are like. They, you know, they uh, they like to play hard and they like to uh, party hard, right? So they got they've got to find that balance. They've got to find that balance a little bit, um, a little bit, a little bit of a weighted towards the performance side of things, especially in the the year of or two years of leading up to a world championships. Um, I think we we kind of focus on the Euros a little bit as well. Like we want to be one number one in Europe, but we also need to be pushing ourselves in the world. And yeah. Has the, you said about focusing on the Euros, uh, has the introduction of Israel amped that up at all? Obviously, they're a, a team of, of talented players that have come in. They weren't involved in the competition before. How has them joining in the competition changed the game for you guys? Well, for sure, we have to, we have to take the tournament very seriously every time we, 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 we come up to it. Again, like you look at the you know 2016, you know it was a very very close game. It was a bit of a squeaky bum time that game. Um, that, was a, that was such a good game to watch. So yeah, good to watch. I mean it, it it was a weird one for us. Like, I played obviously played in two before, and let's be honest, the the crowd ain't ain't really on England side. They're not going to support a team that's won it every single every single time. But I think everybody in the state stadium was uh, was rooting for England that in in that in that um, in that tournament. Um, it, it, from my point of view, it's great to have a team that we can build a, like, a, like a rivalry with. And we went to Israel, obviously on tour um, in 2017, I think it was maybe 2018. I can't remember when we, when we went. And it was just they they hope they were awesome hosts and they they really looked after us. And it was just great to have like we played in like a massive stadium in Ashkelon. Um, and it was just it was awesome to have that rivalry. And I think we should need we need to keep building on that. And it's great to have a you know not saying that Germany or Ireland or Scotland um, or Wales, obviously, because they came third place in, in the last year world as well. And, and, and yeah, I always look at Finland as well. Like They've got some really talented players there as well. Um, um, if you look at the speed that those some of those countries that you just discussed are developing and coming on, Germany's the one that springs to mind the most. It's insane. Like, it's, it is borderline scary. Um, I don't I mean, know what they're that, doing over there. But... That under-20s um, European Championship was awesome to watch. I mean, Germany especially, right, really impressed me. I was trying to recruit one of those guys to come and play at NTU. Um, he's gone to play and play in the NCAA. Um, but, yeah, they, they've really improved. I mean, our boys did awesome. They know they won the 19th. So, um, to play against an U20s team and and, um, and, and and come away with a W um, was awesome. But, yeah, like, like they're really improving. I, I expect Germany. I mean, Germany have been strong for the last God knows how many years. I think they've always been lucky to get to the, the final. I've always had a lot of uh, friends on the German team. Um, so I've always got on with them really well. Um, you know, they've always had good players in Germany. Um, I think one of the things is they send a lot of kids to America as well, uh, like high school level, so they can get that exposure. Okay. I think obviously we've got we've got we've got that a little bit now. So obviously a few a few guys have uh, looking at going doing like a grad year in high school in the states. I think we need to be encouraging that more as well, uh, getting those guys experience in in the NCAA and sending our guys to the NCAA as well. I know obviously I want to go and play for my team in books, but. It'd be great, um, you know, like an Alex Russell, for example, who's gone off and done a PG year in, in the US um, at LIU. Um, yeah, we need out. We you know we want to improve. We, it'd be great to have players trying to look at the same path that he's gone. He's gone down really. So my knowledge of it's quite limited, um, but I, I believe it's a two-way process as well. The the American colleges are they're keen to take players from overseas 
from England, from Germany, um, from from what I can understand. Um, and that's because I, I believe we do have a different, at our higher level, we have a different take on the game. And it's something that they're not so used to. So if, you know, you don't have to be the best college uh, in the world. If you're recruiting someone who plays the game ever so slightly differently, it's something that their opposition then have to deal with. Um, and I know that, yeah, it, I think it's becoming a more um, popular option for finding players um, for going over to the States. Yeah, some coaches, some coaches jump on board of it. You know, you know, we've got some very talented lacrosse players in this country. In this country, um, that can go and play. Especially, they can definitely go and play any division they want to go and play. I and mean, obviously, it just depends. Like, you know, Division One guys, you know, you have to be uh, an athlete <laughs> to play at that, at that level. But um, you know, Alex did amazingly well in his in his first year at LIU. Um, um, and, and he was doing well in his sorry in his second year as well with uh, in, in Division One. Um, so you know we, we we need to be looking at you know if we can get start looking at you know I would love for my guys at NTU to do three years at NTU and then start looking uh, to go off uh, and do a masters in the US. You know that'd be awesome on my my side. And, you know, um, and um, yeah, it would only help our domestic game. But like you like you say, Europe, Europe, European lacrosse that that, that tournament is getting. It's getting so competitive, and it'd be great for it's great for us because at the end of the day, it's it's in our sort of World Cup cycle anyway. So having something that's that we have to be on the ball at when we go because we don't want to be that first England team that's, that loses the European Championship. But it's going to happen at some point, and we have to be honest with ourselves and be and prepare ourselves for that to happen. Um, but I don't think it'd be a good thing if we we're competing with with one or two or three teams in Europe um, that are going to push us forward and. We should be going doing more tours. I mean, you always used to go off to America. For me, like if we could run something in Europe, like a little mini tournament in Europe every every year or so, that'd be awesome. Um, you know, like almost like a home internationals or mini European championships. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. What was your? Well, you've played over a decade. Um, you're gonna have to think long and hard. This. What was the best moment? Ah. Uh... I don't know. Like I, I was lucky enough, lucky enough to have a, a great domestic career at Stockport uh, with my book, my, my friends, and uh, well, my friends that I grew up with. Obviously, we won European club championships, we won flags, we won leagues. That was always always fun because it was always like they're, they're your best mates and you're winning stuff with your best mates. England as well, like you know, various European championships, um, you know, and world championships. Obviously, world championships was always a weird one because it kind of can I put a little sour taste and if you've not achieved what you want to go and achieve but yours is always a fun a fun tournament to go and play in because you were the number one team going into that tournament everyone's looking at England um and there was fun like that first 2016 for me was a was a great was a great my probably one of my favorites one that's to play for England at the European level but yeah stop my stop career as well was like awesome like I had a great time playing for my club okay what about the worst oh Probably twenty. I would say twenty ten because we came so close, and it was. Well, I can't remember. Was it a one goal? I mean, someone will be able to put me correct. But obviously, it was between us, Japan, and Australia, who would get put, go forward into that those semi that semi final yeah. sort of um, route. And we beat Japan by a goal, golden goal, and then we lost to the Australia in in overtime. That was it. Uh, that was and, it. Uh, and then Japan beat Australia by. The goal margin that we, whatever it was, it basically just meant that yeah. we couldn't go, we couldn't go forward into the into the semi-finals. I can just remember sitting in the, we were getting ready for a game. I think it was against, I want to say it was against USA, maybe, 
um, and we were in the car park outside the dormitory waiting to go to the field and uh, someone came up and told us that we basically we weren't because we, 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 we went off to go and watch the first half and it, and, the, and it was like it was back and forth back and forth my old oh, Jesus like, this could really screw us here if, if Australia lose and uh, and then yeah we were in the car park and then we got told, <laughs> told so we had to walk to the field and play USA not knowing that we uh we didn't make uh, what we wanted to do. And it was a really good team as well, that 2010 team. That's not what you want to hear going into a game no. against the USA, is it? That's not no, the, I think, the, I think the it was USA. Again, I think it was USA we were playing. I can't remember off the top. I'm terrible. Like, people always ask, like, talk to me about, oh, do you remember that game where we played? I have no idea. I've got no recollection <laughs> of it whatsoever. I was there. I, I'm the, yeah, I'm I just know what I played. remember it being an awesome tournament. Saw some great lacrosse being played. Um, I do remember a bit of a, a, a stiff situation for you guys, though, that's for sure. Okay. Um, all right, we're going to get a little bit serious now, Sam. You ready for this? Um, so you can find information everywhere about the the hardship that elite sportsmen and women go through um, to do their sport. And it never, it doesn't add up. You don't think, you know, someone representing their country should should struggle um, to do so. Do does the England setup have um, any kind of assistance, any any sponsorship that you guys have access to, whatever, however little uh, that may be? Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, that's a big question. Um, it's diff- it is difficult. Let's not let's not sort of try and sugarcoat it. You know, if you want to play for England, you have to be a committed for time, but b committed financially. Um, and the financial thing puts a lot of players off. I'll be completely straight with you. You know, um, you know, I was very lucky when I was younger. Like my old man, like helped me out a lot uh, with the financial side of things. But as I got older, obviously, you're paying for everything yourself, um, and it can become a massive burden. And it, and there are that I know I do know that certain teams that we've been on, certain like some players that were in their prime, may not have come forward and played in that team because of the financial side of things. Um, I mean, the England lacrosse has always kind of like helped with like the financing of that. So like, obviously, you know, not kind of putting the cost or like straight on the players straight away, and you can kind of pay it off over a certain amount of time. But we also have to be honest that we have to pay for everything ourselves. Um, you know, there's stuff like around equipment and stuff like that, which get sponsored deals that reduce the price of certain stuff. But as players, you not only do you have to be proactive with your training. You have to be proactive, um, you know, balancing your family life, your work life, um, um, your personal life, all that kind of stuff together. But you've also got to act as the team fundraisers and the, trying to find sponsorship and trying to find ways that we can reduce it, whether, whether it be, you know, like what do we need to go to a tournament in terms of like medical supplies? Can we go to a medical supplier and little things like that, like trying to reduce the cost? Like let's not – it's it's not a cheap thing. I mean, unfortunately, it's just the way it is. It's the way you know we're not an Olympic sport yet. You know, we're not um, we're not a fully funded sport. Like, there's a lot like the sponsorship market is very. Con- I assume is very congested, and there's not really someone going. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll bankroll forty grand a year to a to a to an elite. <laughs> it's not going to happen, is it? So um, from our track, we from like my head with my head in now from coaching from England like we try to basically create the most elite environment we can do within the budget we can do so you know it's bringing 
you know, trying to work with, trying to find sports scientists that are looking for work experience, trying to find video analysis that are looking for work experience, maybe like young university students that maybe have just graduated and they need to get some experience, need to put some some stuff in the CV. And that's the kind of stuff that we that we try and bring in to create that elite, elite environment um, with, with the team. And we, we're working hard now with the current coaching staff, trying to bring guys in. We've obviously, with the Euros being cancelled, we've got that opportunity to sort of, pause reassess right what what do we need to bring in what do we need to do i know we are we're constantly having those conversations but it's difficult man it's difficult as a player um it's expensive and it's it's it's, it's not a you you're going to end up with arguments if you don't manage it right with your misses and you're gonna you, you've got you've got to manage it you've got to manage it and yeah you've got to manage your finances as well like because otherwise so if you had to if you had to put a figure on it what would you say a tournament would cost your average international lacrosse or your average english international lacrosse player what are we looking at uh, assuming you're going abroad i don't know <laughs> like like two or three grand maybe somewhere around that wow um, that's a lot maybe a bit more if anyone would, um if anyone wants a sponsorship opportunity, please get in touch with the england setup it's something wow. around that because you got a factor in you've also got a factor in like a lot of the guys, especially this, like look at the guys that right now we've got more more so, like southern guys on the team that we've ever had. They're they're driving up from London every training camp, so like that's yeah. you know if they're not sharing a ride, if they're getting a train ticket or whatever it may be, um, you know we've got to hire train facilities out. You know we've you've got to, you know th- th- those kind of things add up over the years and can be expensive. And then then you've got to factor in. So like one of the things I, I was obviously we 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 tried to do is look how, how can we. You know, how can, how can we make it as cheap as possible for the players? You, you know, obviously you want to. What you don't want to do with things like half measures, either. You want to make sure that those players get feel like they're playing for England and, and have that experience that, that you know I've had. You know, we've had some awesome managers, managers in the past, like Baggy, for example. We always made the players feel special from that regard. As you know, always tried to do go the extra mile, um, and try you know that that side of things. You got you, you know you don't want to go into a tournament and, and feel like you're not it's not you know it's not not special do you know what I mean you want to go in and yeah to be yeah. fair I know it's it's a hard question it's it's a lot of money to stump up um by the sounds of it but I mean these kids are gearing up for this their entire lives right this is other than obviously work and, and their personal life this is what they they want to do I've, I think it could be any figure and they'd be keen to do it I was just really interested to see like what um and a, a, a high level lacrosse athlete is is having to pay to go and represent their country um, it's good we to hear that you said English across do support them um, and pay or, or help them offset that. It's nice to hear that there is, I didn't really know of anything that was put, that was in place. So it is good to hear that people are trying to help as best they can. You've also got to remember, we're not the only, the only ones. There's, like, there's only probably your Canada's and your, um, and your, your USA's that are, that are fully, fu- maybe your require as well, but that are fully funded. Like there's, there's no, everyone else is paying their way around the world. Like it's just the nature of our sport. We chose to play a sport that isn't, Absolutely. Uh, very very well funded outside of the outside of North America. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Okay, last question on your playing career, and I w- please make it spicy. Um, who's the biggest? How would you say? Who's the biggest tool that you've had the pleasure of marking internationally? It's call out time, Sam. Who you got? I don't necessarily think. Kind of, I've kind of like picked three. Um, so. <laughs> So two two of them are predictably Australian. Uh, I know we've got a great respect for Australia and whatever. I remember my first ever tournament uh, playing against Australia was a it was a lab. Play, and he was very like I'm not going to try and dis, dis you know dish him out. 
for being uh, a battle cross player because he was very, very good. He was called uh, a guy by the name of Wes Green. I've never, I mean, Aussies, like, they're always sledging you and they're always chatting crap and all that kind of stuff. And it's all good banter, but he just would not stop uh, all game long, just in your ear, just like, you know, and fair enough, they, in that tournament, we did not play well in that game and we, we got smoked by Australia. Um, but yeah, he just would not stop. Um, and uh, <laughs> it, just, it was just annoying. It was like he was, he was, he kind of like, he had the massive mouth on him, but he could back it up. Uh, on the field, I don't know what happened to him. He kind of like played 2006 and then disappeared. I don't know. What, I don't know where he went. But uh, he was a very good player. Second one uh, is one from recently. The Callum Robinson, uh, uh, what they call him, the big koala or whatever he is. Uh, he's just <laughs> he's not out there for any other reason but to hurt people. I mean, he's he's just he's just trying to. He's. I mean, I remember. I can't, I can't remember. Like we were clearing in, against Australia, and I was like. We were breaking up the field. I was nowhere near him, and he just comes over to me, and just absolutely square touches me right down my back. I'm like, the ball's on the other side of the field, mate. And I just look, turn around to him. He's just doing it. He's just doing little things like that, like just to try and get in your head. And it's just like, and you watch him. He's getting toasted by everybody and everybody in the, in the sun. Like he just, I don't know. I just he was a bit extra. Um, I don't know if he was a full. I don't know if he's a full shilling, but uh, he uh, he was a bit of a. And then last one. Um, was uh, a 2004. I mean, it didn't happen to me. It happened to uh, Andrew Baxter, but Rob Pennell uh, has got a bit of an e- a bit of an ego on him. And Baxter, obviously, you know, everyone knows what Baxter's like. Baxter's probably a you know a, a tough player. Like you know, he likes to be physical himself. But I can remember Baxter like put a big check in on him, and then he uh, he just turned around and butt ended him straight in the uh, in the chest. Like I can remember, can remember it because he was like, was he's like going on in front of a Wheaties box or something like that, and he had to put like, like this public pub, public apology. Uh, on, on Twitter about it, and I can just remember like all like the kids back home, oh, English right. kids, like just all chirping into him and tearing into him. I don't think it really uh, went very well with his ego. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a good. He's obviously he's a phenomenal player, but I just know that he, yeah, it was just he just the way he sort of carried himself. It wasn't really about it. Okay. Um, lastly, has anyone been surprisingly humble and pleasant? So that you know you, you're on the field, you're expecting that dig in the back. And the guy's actually pretty cool. I always respected the Canadians. Um, like they play super hard in the field, unbelievably like talent wise, like you just in awe of them. Um, but they're always like the nicest lads off the field. Um, they're always like the like, like you have a beer like I mean, back in the day, like you'll go and have a beer with them or or, or whatnot. Uh, at the end of the tournament, like they're always just top lads. Um, I'd probably say I don't I couldn't pick a, a particular one out. Um, but you know, I always know that like they're always like kind of like they always like we had a really good game against them in the first half in this tour. We always seem to have like a really good first half against Canada. Like maybe not in 2014. 2014 was a bit different, but I remember t- 2006 uh, and 2010. Like we had a we had a, a half decent game against them, especially 2006. I think we were leading by half time. And they're always like, it's always a good game whenever we play. I don't know what it is, what what it brings out. It always brings a bit of a performance out out, out in England. Um, just shame we can't really continue it for the other two quarters. But um, but yeah, like I always enjoy playing against the Canadians. They're always like really, really, really good guys. So what I remember from 2010 was that the Canadians played hard on the field, like you said, but they loved to drink afterwards. <laughs> um, it, it became a bit of a thing. So maybe they were just, you know... So I'm sure you guys did really well, but maybe they were just uh, a little. I think they're very similar. Perhaps I know they're North American, but they are obviously like very similar to like us culturally. 
yeah, they definitely party hard. I mean, obviously they got that indoor mentality, haven't they? Where it's, yeah. it's a little bit different than the outdoor mentality. Um, but uh, you know, I definitely enjoy playing against them. That was the first of a two-part episode with Sam. You can listen to part two in episode three, which will be out in a fortnight's time. Special thanks to Sam Pat. And if you're liking the podcast, please find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and give the show a like.